0: Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today we're going to be talking about a subject that every person needs to be doing. Let me say that again, folks. Every person needs to be doing this to some degree, whether you're a small business owner, an entrepreneur, or an employee in a small, even up to a large company, and that's innovation. So join me in welcoming our guest today, Tamara Kleinberg, to the program.
1: Hey, thanks so much for having me today. I'm excited to be here.
0: This really is going to be so much fun and something that I'm going to enjoy learning about because was as I was reading through your website, I was like, ooh, ooh, wow, ooh, ooh. <laughs> you know, got to love it when that happens. But before we start, let me tell folks just a little bit about you. So Tamara is the founder of Launch Street, an online innovation program and community and creator of the proprietary Innovation Quotient Edge, only assessment able to help you discover your unique innovator archetype so you can innovate on demand. She is a sought after keynote speaker, CrossFit addict, and knee high sock lover. So again, Tamara, welcome. Well, thank
1: you so much. I'm wearing my knee high socks right now. So yay.
0: Okay. So I always have to ask, are they the same? Or do you do two different um, colors, patterns, whatever?
1: Yeah. So I often do non-matching socks, but it's less of a fashion statement and more of the fact that I have two boys and I can never ah. find matching socks. Right. <laughs>
0: I, you know, I, I got into the habit of wearing socks that didn't match, you know, just because same thing, you know, it's, it's easier, but I tell people life is too short to have to have matching socks. <laughs> I
1: love it. I love it. I'm going to write that on my mirror in the morning. So I can just remember every day,
0: <laughs> Right now my shoes match and hopefully, you know, at least the colors kind of, but, but yeah, you know, I'm like, okay. Um, and, and it's funny because people will see me and they'll you know, very quietly say, you know, your socks don't match. And I say, you know what? I have a pair, another pair like this at home. Oh my God.
1: Well, you know, and it's, it's funny about that because they have to whisper it. Like they're telling you a secret.
0: (laughs) Do you know your socks don't match and you have toilet paper on your shoe? (laughs) Like, tell me about the
1: lettuce in my teeth. I'm not, you know, clothes that don't match. It's all good.
0: (laughs) Whatever. So my socks don't match. Um, But uh, so you know what this shows is that you and I just have really similar personalities, which I love. (laughs) Um, So you know, let's let's okay, we'll focus. Rain let's rain rain ourselves (laughs) in, rain ourselves (laughs) in. Back to why we're here. What are we here to talk about? (laughs) Right. So, um, but but let's just start with why did you launch your company, which again is called Launch Street.
1: Yeah. So, you know, so as you said in the intro, Street is all about giving people the tools to innovate and also empowering them in terms of how they innovate as well. And I know we'll talk about the assessment and a little bit about that later. But I started it for several reasons. So years ago, I had this slap in the face experience, you know, those ones where you walk away going that really stung. But -hmm. later you realize, oh, there was a reason for that. So The short of it is I was working for Johnson and Johnson and I was in charge of, you know, transforming their baby care products. They had hired us as an external innovation consulting team to come in and to do this. And we, you know, we for six months, my team and I did everything we could to push the boundaries to, you know, leap into the future of what baby care was going to look like. We talked to moms. We talked to. Dads, which was the first time in J&J history at that point. And we just, we came up with a range of brilliant disruptive ideas and you know, we shuffled into the CEO's conference room and Deb, do you know the one it's got the oil paintings of the, all the right. CEOs on the wall, right? And, and none, they're
0: staring down. at Yeah. You.
1: And they're not mm-hmm. smiling. None right. of them are smiling. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, well, this is going to be fun. So we're around the table, my team is presenting and I'm like a mama bear. I'm leading the team. I'm so proud of the work that we've all done together and the time that we've spent. And, you know, there was this man at the end of the table, he was the VP of strategy. And I don't remember his name, but I do remember about him is he had a mustache so big that it moved (laughs) when he spoke Uh and, and at every idea he shut it down. And I would hear him whispering to the VP next to him, Didn't Joanne try that and it failed? Didn't R&D look into that and it didn't work? Didn't our competitor try that? And they took it off the shelf. Mm -hmm. Every idea he squashed the life out of. And, you know, it was the longest, angriest plane ride home I've ever had. Oh, I I bet. I think I went through the 12 steps of anger. And in fact, looking back, I think I just left to seven to the blame game. Was like, Mm -hmm. who is this guy? How dare he? He should be fired. He doesn't understand innovation. But what I realized out of that experience was the... I I was the mistake. I I made the mistake. It wasn't him. It was me. I came in with all these brilliant ideas because I'd been thinking about this for six months. I'd been pushing the boundaries for six months. And here he came in cold, jaded being in his job for 20 years. And I expected him to get it. Mm -hmm. And that's when I made the shift. And I realized, wait a minute, there is more power and more value for my clients, for the world. If I help people figure out, how to innovate versus trying to give them the ideas. And it's the same with entrepreneurs. I've worked with a lot of entrepreneurs and startups and we've launched a lot of products both for fortune 500 and for entrepreneurs getting them, you know, to market and to the stores and with great success. And what I realized in all of that is I can tell you what to do or I can help you figure out how to innovate in your business across it. And that's why launch street was born because the values you get it. The value is just long lasting that way. You walk away with, Oh, Innovation is a part of how I do things. And when that happens, you see incredible success. I mean, we were, it kind of goes to our socks story. You know, better, stronger, faster doesn't win in today's marketplace. To win today, you have to be different. And that right, takes right. innovation.
0: Right. Well, uh, and, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head with the fact that if we think it's our idea, at least, you know, Somehow, maybe we were nudged in that direction or whatever. But if we think it's our idea, it, there's much better buy-in than if the idea was forced on us. Absolutely uh, right. You know, and and so that's and and to me, the absolute worst words that people use in business are, "But this is the way we've always done it." Oh, and there is definitely benefits to knowing the culture to knowing that you know some of it because sometimes it's in fact you you can learn from those okay what was working well with why you've always done it that way um you know but you know there's it was never perfect so what can you change all of those various things you know and and so that's where innovation comes in so tell us what your definition of innovation is?
1: Yeah, so my definition, and let me just give it a little bit of context and say that I think the mistake we often make as you know entrepreneurs and small business owners, or as you said, employees inside companies, is we think of innovation as a couple things. One is it's new product development or new technology. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's you know relegated to that three pm. brainstorm with the blank easel pads and the scented markers. Right.
0: And right you and never look at it again.
1: Right and you know, don't get me wrong. I love scented markers. They're like crack for meetings.
0: Oh, yeah, but, yeah. It's but blueberry.
1: Right. Oh, watermelon is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> so, but but that is a point in time exercise, and that's not what innovation is. So, I propose I propose that we move forward with this definition of innovation. It's people each thinking differently about what's right in front of them mm-hmm. to create differentiated value.
0: I love that. Say it again.
1: Yeah. People each thinking differently about what's right in front of them to create differentiated value. And, you know, here's the, just to kind of break it down really quickly. It's about all of us shifting our perspective, thinking differently, looking at our challenges and opportunities in a new way. So bringing that kind of that innovative mindset to it. And I think, in many ways, what's most important in that definition is about what's right in front of us. You know, we're we're often so looking for that that new blue sky right turn, right. big disruptive breakthrough thing, and you can get there, but you're going to get there by looking at what are the resources, what are the customer needs, what are the ideas, what's the competition doing, simply by looking right. What right is right in front of you and rearranging the pieces.
0: Right. You know, and, and rearranging the pieces is the the critical point because you've got all those resources, whether it's people, equipment, technology, you know all those various things and so, if you completely reinvent the wheel it, it, for, that's a big cost, you know all sorts yeah. of things and there are definitely things that should carry over. but the problem comes in with the companies, and I love this because you call them the tombstone brands, yeah, and they're the ones that you know put their heads in the sand and thought we're just going to keep doing business the way we have done it, and those are companies like kodak blockbuster um you know sears walmart or not walmart uh, kmart um blackberry you know, all those companies yes that that well this is working fine right now so we're going to keep doing it and refuse to think that there's a future you know and 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 it's so innovation a lot of times is kind of an evolution also
1: you know, you're so right about that. I do call the tombstone slide just kind of sad, but but the reality is for them they got comfortable in their success and they didn't see a need to change and the marketplace left them behind. And you know, here's something that I realized the other day. This was totally shocking to me. So in Jim Collins, you know, best-selling iconic business book Good to Great, mm-hmm. which a lot of people are still reading as like here's how you do business. Half of the companies in that book are either gone or struggling to stay alive. Right. And don't get me wrong. It's not that I think that what he wrote about was totally wrong. I think it was right about what made them successful then. Mm -hmm. But what you're kind of alluding to, and I 100% agree with is, you know, what made you successful yesterday is not what makes you successful tomorrow. And we Mm -hmm. have to keep evolving and moving and pushing the boundaries and innovating so that we can not just try to stay ahead of the curve, but create the curve.
0: Right. Well, and it's interesting because, you know, down here in Atlanta, of course, one of the biggest companies in the world is headquartered here, and that's Coca-Cola. Of course. And yeah. it's it's interesting to watch them because they are kind of doing this innovation, evolving type of thing because people aren't wanting the sugary drinks as yeah. much as they did. Now, you know, there are always going to be people that, that drink sodas. I mean, you know, and, and hello, I'm one of those people, but there are, you know, people are also much more health conscious. So that is what Coke is looking at. You know, what flavored waters can they do? You know, all these various things. And then, of course, they're looking at, you know, clearly expanding their markets, you know, to, uh, to other products and to other countries, other things like that. So it's, but it's, again, it's taking what they've got. So they're not saying, hey, you know, let's, uh, let's you know, let's get into the food business, um, you know, because they, they don't have that knowledge. They're taking the resources that they have and figuring out how they can use those to best uh, go forward into the future. You know, I, I
1: love that example. And if Sonny I'm a Diet Coke fiend. It's, that's my weakness. Oh, <laughs> I Diet
0: need Coke. the sugar. Yeah. I need the leaded I, version.
1: You know, <laughs> I, you know, I don't drink alcohol. I don't smoke. I don't do drugs. But I do do my Diet Coke. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but let's juxtapose that for a second with kodak who at the time had incredible quality right they were known for right. quality they, they had mm-hmm. the resources they had the people they had the knowledge of what was happening in the marketplace and unfortunately they said which is the opposite of what you're saying coke is doing and i'm so happy to hear that they're that they're pushing forward and not backward what kodak did is said no no we're doubling down on what we do well but the marketplace was saying i don't care about quality because you know the phones were coming out i want right. accessibility Mm-hmm. So had Kodak looked at that and said, how do we make quality accessible to everybody? We might ha- be having a different conversation.
0: Right, right. You know, and, and then you've got companies like, say, Facebook, who, you know, we all know Facebook wants to rule the world. Mm-hmm. But when they branch into areas that they weren't able to to do, um, it was a spectacular failure. Um, you know, anybody remember the Facebook smartphone? Oh, my God. <laughs> I haven't
1: you thought know, about that in a while.
0: <laughs> and, and it's funny, I don't even know. And, I mean, you know, you and I are probably both really well-connected people. Do we know anybody who had one of those phones? I don't. And and so that was one of those examples of, hey, this sounds like a great idea. We're going to move. And and it kind of matched their product because, of course, you know, most of Facebook is done on your smartphone. But they had no knowledge about it. And so it, it, you know. Now, luckily, they decided pretty quickly, "Eh." (laughs) let's, let's not keep going down this path. But, you know, at least they were thinking innovation.
1: But, you know, I'll tell you, there's a couple lessons in there. Um, it's funny, you know, there are so many things that, that are launched and fail and that we forget about. And, you know, I think that Facebook phone is one of them. And they've done a couple other things. There's also the Google Glasses. They had right. that whole project and then they, they scrapped it. But here's where I'll give them credit that I think us as entrepreneurs can learn from. Mm-hmm. And we don't need to have the billion-dollar budgets to do this. Right. The, the reason those companies will continue to be successful, at least if they keep on the path they're on, is because they're willing to experiment and put things out there. Now, for them, it's on a massive scale, and we all see it, and the failure is very public. Mm-hmm. But for us as smaller business owners, it is important that we take our ideas and instead of trying to perfect them on paper, really get them out there and test them out and try them. And, and you know what? You said something else that's important, which is when it doesn't work, pull it back. It's okay to say, you know, that didn't work. We're going down a different path. Yeah, it's totally fine. I'll give you a, you know, a a very quick example in our world. When we launched our on-demand program, so that's our year-long membership where we give, we have an entrepreneur program and an intrapreneur program where Mm -hmm. we give people the tools to innovate on a daily basis. So not just making it that 3 p.m. brainstorm, but a part of everything they do, whatever Mm -hmm. moment they need it. So when I launched that, before I did that, I said, you know what? I need to talk to some clients. Let's see what the marketplace wants from me. So I created this beautiful marketing one pager on PowerPoint. It was gorgeous. I tell you, it was the best design work I have mm-hmm. ever done. So I, but, and then I had some calls with clients and they, you know what, all over it because I, oh, dear. I oh. it was wrong. But mm-hmm. the concept wasn't wrong, my, my execution of it was wrong. Mm-hmm. And it was such an important lesson for me. So now what you see out in the marketplace, what you can purchase from for entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs on the on-demand program is what the marketplace needed from our expertise. But I had to go through that moment of failure to understand what really I needed to do to be successful. So, you know, the piece of advice that I think we can learn from the big guys is, hey, don't be afraid to put it out there. Don't be afraid if it fails or it goes wrong or Or, you know, it's not what you expected. The key is to learn and adjust from it. That's innovation. That is, that's it right there is learning from what
0: happens. Right. You know, and and you mentioned something very important and that's ask your customers. You know, because we as business owners, and it doesn't matter if it's a one person shop or, you know, a hundred thousand, we think, oh, this is the greatest product service since, you know, sliced bread. People will absolutely love it. So we're going to pound it down their throats. (laughs) And people are going (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you know, the, the Facebook phone would be a great example of that. We already had phones that were, you know, working just fine. And, you know, one of those big ones would, of course, be c- called Apple. Um, and but but, you know, we, we get caught up in our excitement and things like that that we forget that, you know, we're, we need to make sure that somebody actually wants to buy it
1: isn't that the interesting part somebody actually needs to buy it you know I was talking to an entrepreneur the other day a colleague of mine and I said they were trying to launch something new and I said I love that you're so passionate about this and that you have a lot of heart for this I want to make this something that is ownable for you and buyable those are the two things I want it to be I want it to be ownable meaning unique different in the marketplace Mm -hmm. but I also want it to be buyable which is exactly what you're saying the customer needs to want it. And you know the cool thing about customers that I found, whether you are you know, the Coca-Colas and the Walmarts of the world or you are a mom-and-pop shop or just getting started in your basement, is they are willing to go along for the journey with you if right. you ask them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, And then, of course, the important thing is to say thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and, to, but, right, and right. to really listen to what they say. And,
1: you know, I think, I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you. It's happened to me. When someone says they don't like your idea for whatever reason, it is like they called your baby ugly.
0: Right? It hurts. Yeah. And you know, and and so you have to get over your ego because if you ask them for help, then you should be willing to take that. And and hopefully you picked somebody who's not going to to be horrible and awful and nasty about their criticism. Yeah. But, you know, and and, and then you still obviously have a choice. You know, you can still proceed or you can alter, you know, all those various things. But tell them, you know, okay, well this was great. I changed this part because. Now what do you think? You know, and and because maybe they suggested, you know, doing something and was like, okay, I just I don't have the resources to do that, but I would have the resources to do it this way. Then you go back to them and you say, Okay, you know, here's here's what I came up with. Now what do you think? Um, you know, and and, you know, aside from anything else, then you've got these great little brand ambassadors who are gonna go out and say, Oh, I helped with this.
1: Yeah, you know what? You're absolutely right. So there was this study done in this book I was recently reading. I thought this was so fascinating. They called it the IKEA study. And basically, they had two groups of people. One group of people built their IKEA desk, whatever it was that they were creating. I think it was a desk or an armoire or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then another group of people would come into a room where it was already built for them. The two groups were asked to put a value on that desk. Mm -hmm. The group that built it placed a higher dollar value on the ones that didn't.
0: Huh.
1: Fascinating, the right?
0: Opposite of what I would think.
1: So me too. I thought it'd be the other because I value convenience a lot. Right. But and, what, and
0: I just can't put together.
1: I mean, you should see my Ikea projects. They're, I know. they're just ongoing. All
0: the extra parts. <laughs>
1: oh yeah. And then I'm like, why? I didn't, I didn't need these four screws. Why are they in the package? <laughs> that should be a clue to me that I did need them. Right. <laughs> I missed something along the way. But, you know, it's, I think to me, that's a great example of what you're saying, which is people value what they're a part of. So, Mm -hmm. you know, on our launch street, we are, it's, we say community because we've got these closed Facebook groups. We're engaging with each other. I'm asking questions. They're providing feedback. I'm answering questions too, but I want it to be a two-way conversation. And today's business is a two-way conversation. Our, the customer today is no longer about this one-way feed. They want to be a part of a business and a brand that they love. And you know, here's the cool part, I think. That applies to if you have a water bottle that you're going to sell in REI or to a B2B uh, consulting service that you give to your client. Because at the end of the day, it's just humans at the other right. side.
0: Right. You know, and, and, and we all, and, you know, for the most part, want to help each other. So, you know, and, and, you know, and and then of course there is that concept of word of mouth marketing where, you know, a a company can tell me this, you know, has these features, yada, yada, yada. I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But if someone I don't even know tells me about that, I'm going to trust them more. And so, you know, the more you can get people to buy in and help you, you know, the, the better it is. And, and again, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, a product or service that you're, you're offering as a small business or maybe you know, you're in a bigger company and you're a team member talking about an internal project. You, know, you have to get all this buy-in because then you have even better support for it.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely right. You know, it's interesting with, uh, we were talking a little bit offline about this. I call them intrapreneurs right. and intrapreneurs are people inside organizations who have an entrepreneurial mindset. And what I mean by that is they have investment, they have ownership in what they mm-hmm. do and they have innovation. That's their mindset coming into it. They don't always have the tools and the resources mm-hmm. to do that. It's part of why we created our on demand but they have the mindset and the desire to make that happen. And right. for them, having that buy-in and having that stronger voice and being recognized as that, you know, go-to innovator rock star is as important to success as it is to the small business owner who's trying to get their product on the marketplace. It just works mm-hmm. in a different process. That's all.
0: Right. You know, and I love the fact that you say that, that we can be innovators and be employees, you know because we've got the entrepreneurs who have to be innovative or you know they're they're not going to survive but i think you know so many times we forget that you still need innovators In
1: companies, yeah, Yeah. you're so right about that. And I would suggest that inside organizations, that is what gets you recognized, promoted, gets your ideas implemented. I think that the the what I'm so I work with a lot of Fortune 500 companies too, and you know, worked with Disney and Procter and Gamble and General Mills, and um, I work in a lot in healthcare, which if you want to talk about a little bit of a cluster (laughs) and what's going on. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. you know, so but what's interesting is what I'm finding is so whatever's on your job description is not enough that's not right. truly how you're judged how you're actually judged and and in many ways I think it's rightfully so is are you able to bring innovative solutions to the challenges that you face that your organization faces and are you able to identify opportunities and tackle them in an innovative way. So, you know, a lot of the work that we do inside organizations is about creating a culture of innovation. And -hmm. and what I think is really important for those people to recognize is that innovation isn't about the job title, the person with a blue streak in their hair, that 3 p.m. scented marker brainstorm. It is about everybody up, down, and sideways on the ladder having that permission to innovate Um, going back to the definition, right, thinking differently about what's right in front of us. Mm -hmm. But everybody being a part of that, you know, all too often it's siloed into this, this you know, special group. And then they throw or over. Like,
0: I, R&D. Right, 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 right.
1: It's R&D. And,
0: you know, it's, it's
1: so funny because it really depends on the, the cycle. So I, there's many companies I've seen, and I won't throw any specific one under the bus, but you know who you are if you're listening, where, you know, they'll create these innovation teams when times are good and they're feeling expansive. And then they'll shut right. them down when they're concerned. And then they bring them back. And then they shut them down. And I'm thinking, no, no, no. It doesn't work because it's a one-way tennis match. Mm-hmm. That's not a game. Like nobody's the person on the other side's like, "I don't want your ideas. I wasn't a part of it. I'm right. not asked to be innovative. No thank you." Mm-hmm. So when you get everybody starting to think at that level, that's when innovation happens in companies.
0: Right. And you're so right that it has to be everyone because, you know, say you've got, you know, a multi, you know, million dollar company where the managers are saying, hey, you know, we want innovative people, yada, yada, yada. But the C-level people are going, eh, no, right. we don't want that. You know, it'll work for a little bit. And then, you know, you get your ideas shot down for whatever reason, a couple of times, and you're thinking, not sticking my neck out there again.
1: Right. And then leadership wonders why the team doesn't bring more ideas right. forward. Mm-hmm. But they don't realize that that constant shutting down is what's killing the yeah. innovation. And, right. you know, I, I call it launch and abandon, right? Like, mm-hmm. let's get all excited about innovation, and then we abandon it.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's like you mentioned, you know, at the, the very start of the program, where you had that CEO who it didn't matter what somebody said, he didn't like it. Yeah, you know, and and you know, and and so he clearly didn't have that mindset of we need innovation, and you know, and the sad part is, as we've mentioned, every company needs it. You know, we cannot just rest on our laurels. Every single company has to evolve and change, and you know, do whatever it is, and whether it's something small like adding social media to your marketing, or actually changing products. I mean, just think if Kodak had said, okay, we're going to create an online platform for people to inexpensively print the pictures that they're taking on their smartphones. Ding, 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 ding. I mean,
1: they should be, they should be Instagram at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: It's so fascinating to me. And you know, so there's this company here in Colorado, you may know them. Uh, I don't know if they were around when you were, when you were living here, but infinite monkey urban winery. Have no, you heard of them no.
0: so that sounds good, I'm it is
1: so cool, out. yeah, they're so cool. I talk about them all the time. I tell Ben I'm like, I want free wine for life. I talk about you all the time,, yeah, but he's the owner of it. But, but let me share a story with you about Ben because they, to me, are a great example of why you have to keep innovating because someone somewhere is doing it and they're going to come after you. really right. That's the bottom line. so Infinite Monkey Urban Winery was started by Ben Parsons and I interviewed him. He's a really interesting guy. And he said a couple of things to me that I think are so important in this conversation. First of all, he said, well, I wanted to challenge the assumptions. Why does wine, first of all, have to have names like rolling Hills, blah, 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 states, right? right. All, they all sound the same. And why mm-hmm. do, do people have to travel to the winery to do tastings? Mm-hmm. And most importantly, he asked a question that completely shook up the wine industry. He said, he asked, why does wine have to come in glass bottles? And wow. what he did, so he created a winery because
0: in, that's the way we've always right, done it. Right,
1: exactly. It's back to what you said. Like that's how the industry works. That's mm-hmm. what is done. That's how shelving is set up. That's what we do. That's what the manufacturing does. That's what everybody does. So he created Infinite Monkey Urban Winery. It's in downtown Denver, just by the ballpark. He's got a lounge there. They make the wine there, but most importantly, he put wine in single serve cans. Brilliant. Not only can I enjoy wine on my own without having to open a whole bottle, you've taken out that barrier of me opening a bottle. But now from a distribution perspective, it can go into um, event stadiums, it can go I think it's on Frontier Airlines now, actually. So He took it and he completely shook it up. And the brilliant part about it is now all the competition, the big dogs, the ones who we look at and go, well, they're the successful ones, so how they do it must be right, are going, oh, my God, what do we do? Like, how Mm -hmm. do we, they can't easily do that. So now they're freaking out. And it's so fun to see as he expands and grows his business across the U.S. and globally. Mm
0: -hmm. Right. You know, and and obviously a company with a name like that is going to be a little bit different. Um, But, and and so, you know, you, you do get that impression from it. But, yeah, he's he's not afraid of innovation and shaking things up. And, you know, at the very least, it wouldn't have worked. You know, right. maybe, maybe the canning process, something would change the flavor of the wine or, you know, all sorts of things like that. And, you know, but you don't know until you try is well, probably the the best thing.
1: Well, that's right. And the funny part it is, wine aficionados will, you know, I can see them in the audience because they're horrified. Like, oh, well, the wine needs oh, to yes. breathe. So blah, yeah. blah, blah. Ah, ah. Oh, my goodness. How could you possibly do that? But here's my argument back. It's not about the quality of the wine. It's about the new consumer who isn't about right. the $100 bottle of wine. They're mm-hmm. about the experience. So he opened up new consumers to wine and brought them in. Now, the wine is good, so I'm not saying it's bad. But, right, you know, right. you mm-hmm. you can play the Kodak, oh, but what about the quality? But that's not what it's about.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, by doing it that way, you can, you know, say you're at an event and everybody has what they want. As opposed to, well, we're only going to open red wine today. Right. Or, you know, all those various things. And, you know, it just plus, I mean, there's just so many things that this opens up to because he took that gamble. That's right. Um, You know, and and it probably would have been a really expensive thing if he failed. But, you know, again, you don't know until you try.
1: That's exactly right. You really experimentation is key. And he didn't know until he tried. Mm -hmm. Um, But he had, you know, he knew that there there was a gap in the marketplace. And I think that's our job is, you know, whether we're entrepreneurs or intrapreneurs, our part of our job is to find the gap and figure out how to fill it. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And, and another example that you have of a very innovative company is dollar shave club. I mean, that one just baffles me too. I'm like, you know, people are going to order razors men in particular, you know, they're going to, they're going to have a subscription.
1: He is so funny, isn't it? So I have a subscription. I have to tell you. So That Dollar Shave Club to me is a little bit personal. I think it might have changed my marriage. Like it's that good. You know, I I was this was a couple years ago now. My son Liam was four at the time, and Mm -hmm. I went to the grocery store. And you know, it was one of those Thursday nights where I'm like, I gotta go in and just get the basics and get out because I gotta get home to get dinner on the table and you know get homework Mm -hmm. done. And so I'm thinking, all right, I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna get chicken. I'm gonna get eggs. I'm gonna get vodka. Like, oh yeah, I need a new razor. So I go to the razor aisle, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I become paralyzed because. I'm looking at this sea of options, and it's it's redonkulous. Like what do I – do I need three blades and a pivot head? Do I need four blades and a moisture Mm -hmm. strip? Do I need one blade and a titanium – you know, stro- I don't even know what to do. I
0: just need a razor.
1: Right. <laughs> right. So I, I do nothing. I leave mm-hmm. and I walk my hairy legs out of the store. And, uh-huh. you know, the next day is when I signed up for Dollar Shave Club. <laughs> I think my husband was like, "Could you?" I know it's winter, honey, but could we yeah. do something you like that? You don't
0: need the warmth. Yeah. Right? I'm like,
1: Come on now, darling, let's do something. So, you know, so I signed up for Dollar Shave Club and I had the privilege of interviewing Mike Dubin, the founder. And, you know, he was saying exactly what you said. Like, I just need a razor. And he kept hearing these conversations among his friends, this joke about the ridiculous high tech razor flying through the sky ads that Mm were being, you know, put on the TV and and whatever. And that's where Dollar Shave Club came from. But, you know, he took the big dogs on. I mean, that razor, that's a billion dollar industry. And he crushed it in a whole new way.
0: Well, and what I love is he takes them on in the commercials, know, you know, exactly. and, and that's what's so funny about it because, you know, now obviously he makes it a parody, you know, it's, it's not that somebody rides in on a razor, like it's a, you know, a, a hovercraft, you know, all those various things, but but yeah, he, he points, you know, he, he really makes fun of it and makes you think, do I really need 900 whistles and bells on right. a razor?
1: Right. And his so that video is what really kind of shot them up to success. Mm -hmm. But but he had been around for a little while. That's what kind of what we don't realize. It wasn't an overnight success. He had been around for a little while. Mm -hmm. That video is what really created that hockey stick growth for them. But if I would contend that if he had come out with the same razors everybody else in the same way, no matter how funny the commercial was, it wouldn't have worked. It was that innovation was not just in the product, innovation was in everything that he did, and that's Mm -hmm. why he was successful. He had an innovative business, and that's Mm -hmm. kind of what I would urge entrepreneurs and intrapreneurs to think about is, how can you have an innovative business? Because that's what it will drive you to success. An innovative product or an innovative idea is just not enough anymore. Like, you have 72 pallets in your garage of the most brilliant idea possible, but if you package it in the same way as everybody else, you're never going to get noticed.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. And You know, the the change might be that you provide different customer support, different customer service, you know, all those various things. So it's not that you have a different widget. It's how you deal with that widget. That's
1: exactly right. And there's a I am running a blank on the name right now. There is a uh, oh, gosh, I wish I remember. It's a hosting company, you know, server space. Mm-hmm. And they are all about, I mean, they are, their customer service is amazing. They changed the game in that category because they were able to, they had people on the phone, they were cracking jokes, they were, you know, sharing their personal passions with the people on the other line. You would never think of that in hosting in Rackspace. But because they did that, they did it in a different way. They were innovative in their customer experience. And that is what drove them forward.
0: Right. You know, and and it's funny when we have companies that poke fun um, of of their competitors because, you know, and and I'm looking this up because, you know, here I am, you know, down here in Atlanta, we're the the biggest airport in the world, and, you know, and, and we had all of those things with Atlanta, and I'm looking to see, oh, here it is, so Southwest came up with, we beat our competitors, not you.
1: I mean, you know, after that whole United debacle, how could you not take advantage of that? I know, I know.
0: <laughs> you know and it's so funny because, you know, now I'm sure United thought that was really, really un- 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 out, you know, and, and obviously there, there are lines that you do not cross. Um, you know, and, and sometimes companies cross them and just really get beat up badly about it. But, you know, it's so, so again, that comes back to asking people, Hey, you know, does this cross the line? Is this too far? Is it too soon? I mean, you know, sometimes it's a good idea, but maybe you need to wait a little bit before you implement it. Well, and you know.
1: The, that what you're just sharing with Southwest and you know obviously United, just the airlines in general, to me is also a great example of how important that two way conversation is. Because right. if you think you own the narrative of your company, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. It's your customer, so oh, you better bring them in the day along.
0: And age for- of cell phone cameras and social media.
1: Yeah. Well, I always laugh. I'm like, you know, you should just assume you're being videotaped. Right. That's just. That's just how it goes,
0: right. you know,
1: <laughs> whether we like it or
0: not. It's, it's funny. You and I were sharing off the air that, you know, I used to live in Colorado, and I still have my yeah. University of Colorado football tickets, and we won't talk about the fact that you're a Cal Bear. <sighs> I know. I am. I, know, I am. I know. <laughs> but, you know, obviously, you know, no matter what, for most Colorado fans, we just never liked Nebraska. And yeah. so I remember, you know, one time when their, their now former coach, Bo Pelini, who, you know, got to love Bo Pelini, he was just going to be Bo no matter what. He was ranting and raving about something and he was in the team locker room. So it was it was a private space, but he wasn't the most beloved coach. And so, you know, one of his his players, you know, videotaped this rant and this rave and posted it. And mm. he was just dumbfounded, you know, and, <clears throat> and I remember yeah. you know people telling him, you have to always assume that you're on camera.
1: Yeah, you do. And I, you know, and that is why I just to kind of bring it back to, you know, for entrepreneurs and their brands, every customer touch point matters. Right. They should be consistent. It should be what you want out there in the marketplace. And it should be unique and ownable to you. And that is a great example of that. Like, so how you act inside your business should be the same as how you act outside your business. Right. They should not be different. And the reason those guys constantly get in trouble when things like that happen is they have two faces. (laughs) There's one, how they talk behind the scenes and one in front of the scenes. And what we come to expect now from our businesses, from the brands that we love, whether it's a football team or alcohol or whatever, is we expect them to be authentic Mm -hmm. and we know when they're not.
0: Right. You know, and, and yeah, it's, it's one of those things that people just always have to be conscious of. Um, you know, and, and I'm going to come back to, especially in this day and age of social media, you know, how many times have we seen a beloved athlete? I mean, you know, as, as we're you know, talking about this, we've all had this hoo-ha with Tiger Woods, who yeah. was arrested for DUI. Now he wasn't, uh, it wasn't alcohol related, but now of course people are just leaping on this bandwagon of Tiger bashing, you know, and, and, um, but also, you know, it, it's, it's just everywhere. You know, the, the yep. police cameras have gotten out there and, you know, all these various things. And, and you know, so, again, you just always have to be conscious and aware of what's going to happen. And then, of course, the most important thing is, yes, we are human. We're going to make mistakes. You need to know how to do damage control pretty quickly.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think um, that was part of the, the damage control just kind of took me off on a tangent because I think that's so important. You know, that's part of the reason why United got slammed so heavily by the marketplace. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just the incident, which was horrible in itself. It was the response right after the incident that really put the nail in the coffin for them on that, because they just came out with this pathetic week. Sorry, United, but you did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was, it was not the response appropriate response for the marketplace and it showed a lack of concern and a lack of, um, wanting to, you know, improve and better themselves. I get wanting to stick behind your employees. Mm-hmm. That is totally important. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, your employees need to feel valued and trusted, but you know, they, They screwed up. You got to know. Yeah, they screwed up. You know, unlike Pepsi, who created a horrible commercial in so many ways, but I will give them credit because after it, they said, "We apologize. It was tone deaf. We're pulling it down." Mm
0: -hmm. Right. Well, you just got to. And and a lot of times, when you're being innovative, you are taking those risks. You know, mm -hmm. you're you're putting something out there, whether it's just a message or a product or something. You know, you are taking a risk because it's different. You know, and and so run it past people you know run it through that little filter in your head. If that little filter in your head is going then maybe you shouldn't be doing it. Um you know and and but that is a risk of being innovative and I think that's why so many companies stick with this is the way we've always done it because it's safe.
1: Yeah, you know we put it's so it's so great that you said that. It's and it's so accurate. We put ourselves in this box. And we say things like, well, that's the way it's always been done. That's too risky. We could lose a lot by doing that. My favorite is always, that's how the competition does it. So that's how we should do it too, which to me is such, is such self-sabotage because if you do it like everybody else, you look like everybody else. And then you're just adding to the noise. Mm -hmm. I've never understood that one. Um, or that's how leadership wants us to do it. And funny about that is, Oftentimes, that's just an assumption we're all making, and it's not even accurate. Mm-hmm. But when we to kind of what you're saying, when we put ourselves in the box, we're going to end up on that tombstone slide mm-hmm. because we're not pushing and moving forward. And you know, it, innovation isn't just about risk. risk. Risk is a part of it. You've got to have that. Courage to take those risks and to put yourself and your business out there a little bit, mm-hmm. but it's about smart risk. Right. So you know you want to make sure that what you're putting forward is the stuff that you believe in, mm-hmm. and it may fail, it may succeed. Sometimes that's a game of Russian roulette. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it is totally out of your control as to why. It's a timing issue, as you kind of said it a little bit earlier. But if you're putting things that you believe in in a smart and innovative way out there, it'll it'll work. Right. And like I said, it may not work in the way you expect it to work, but down the road, it works.
0: Right. You know, and, and obviously there are times where we have, you know, what what we would, you know, if we were Bob Ross fans, happy accidents. Um, you know, <laughs> right. where, you, know you, you were thinking, OK, let's do this. And somehow it comes out totally different, but it's a success. And you're like, well, how'd that happen?
1: You know, there's a few great uh, product examples of that over time. I mean, laundry detergent was because a bunch of scientists accidentally left soap in a spinner Mm -hmm. for too long, and that turned into laundry detergent. Mm -hmm. Those things are wonderful when you come across them, and I I talk about them as follow a mutation Mm -hmm. in your business. Sometimes you do things. I'll give you another example of a colleague of mine. Uh, Have you ever seen the Evolution of Dance video on YouTube? It's got millions and millions of views. Judson Lapley is the guy's name. Uh, I, he came to our speaker association chapter to meet. and I was chatting with him and he was saying that he put that video up there because some college kid had asked him, he'd done the, this evolution of dance that he goes through, like from the fifties to today. It's really good. Uh-huh. And he said, you know, a college kid had said to me, Hey, I want to learn that dance for a, you know, fraternity talent show or something like that. Will you put it into a video so I can watch it and learn it? And he, this thing called YouTube had just started and he was like, Oh, I'll put it on YouTube. That's the easiest way for you to get it. And that led to a whole new path to his business. It went viral. He didn't mean for it to, he didn't plan on it, but that led to an entire speaking business that involved that dance that he was never expecting because put something out there. And by accident, It was successful, and I think kind of what you're saying is really important, which is don't just listen for the feedback from people of what they don't like, but listen to what they like. Mm -hmm. That is so powerful. I had to – about seven months ago, I had to shut down one part of our business um, a Revenue Stream area and dial up another because when I was listening to my customers, what I realized was, oh, my God, there's all this energy over here, but I'm over here on this part of the business. Mm -hmm. I need to shift because they're shifting.
0: Right. You know and and it it comes back to ignoring that, but this is the way we've always done it, or more importantly, exactly. this is what we've spent money on um it's it's I belong to uh, um a business association I actually belong to several, but i'm I'm the marketing director of a business association here in Atlanta, and we were reviewing some of our materials, some of our printed materials <coughs> and some of them were five years old. they had the wrong <laughs> brand, the wrong message, all of these things, but they were still given out. Because we printed so many of them, we can't just throw them away. And, you know, and and then I look around my office and darned if I don't have that too. Now, I don't give them out, but I have materials that I created 10 years ago that, you know, I spent all that money on it and by darn it, I'm not going to throw it away. Right. Okay.
1: I mean, I am totally in that boat and there are things that I spent a lot of time and money and energy on. Mm That I needed to move on from, right. and and I I would say that you know if I was being honest, I probably moved on a little bit too late in some of those things. Like I should have done it earlier. I waited too long—not too long, but longer than I right. should have. Right. Um, and and it the thing that I always have to remember is there's an opportunity cost mm-hmm. to passing out old crap right. Oh yeah. <laughs> and you know, we, but we don't, right. We say, well, I spent $5,000 on mm-hmm. printing that. So we got to do every single one of them, but they don't represent where you are. And so, you know, we've all been there, but you make a really important point is you know, money should not be the, the, because I spent money mm-hmm. should not mm-hmm. be the reason why you don't move forward. Right.
0: And sometimes it means changing employees changing, you know, really changing your product or your service, all sorts of things. Um, But that comes back to being innovative and looking at what the customers want and, and, you know, hopefully being able to match that.
1: Yeah, and you know, here's the, I think the cool part about it. I think if you set up expectations with customers in the right way, they are really open to the things not being 100%. So right. I'll just give you kind of a quick example of what I'm talking about. Um, you know, when you want to, so let's say you are, let, let's go with Walmart. Let's say you're Walmart and you want to test out some new products. See if that's something that should be in your stores across the country. Obviously for them to put something in there is a big decision. Self-space is highly valuable And you're talking about big operational procedures to do it. Mm -hmm. But when you set up, let's call it an end cap, right? The the little display Mm -hmm. at the end of us or something that's not being used. If you set this up as, hey, we're testing this stuff out. We want to know if this is something you want from us. Customers look at that and go, oh, this is just a trial. I'm going to be a little bit more forgiving. Versus, hey, here's our new stuff. Here you go. Then people are really um, you know, they take it as a hundred percent done. Mm-hmm. So same for entrepreneurs. If you're trying to put something out there in, you're in round one, round two, you know, those first phases, set those expectations with your customers of, Hey, this is just wet clay. Mm-hmm. I'm just looking to make sure there's going to be some glitches and I want you to let me know about them. Right. I mean, Apple does it all the time. Mm-hmm. We know that every time there's a new iPhone release, there's a glitch, right? Yet they sell out and people wait around the block for them because the expectation was set with us that with new innovation comes some challenges and we are 100% okay with that. So if you set the expectations, they'll absolutely give you that feedback and you'll be able to test in a way that doesn't hurt your relationship.
0: And of course, the funny thing with you know something like Apple and, and a new iPhone is there's also that other little cachet, shall we say, of... I'm going to be the first one to have it, and I don't care if it doesn't yeah. work right. I'm going to be the first one to have it. Um, yeah. You know, whether, maybe it's you know I'm going to be the first one to see a movie. Um, you know, or you know all those various things. Sometimes people really do put a high value on. I'm going to be the first, and they're okay. Like we said, with okay, you're going to fix the mistakes later, but I'm going to be the first.
1: Well, you know that's as you know in marketing, we always talk about the early adopters. Right. How do we get to the early adopters? Mm -hmm. Because they're the ones who are just as, it's just as important to them to uh, test out the new stuff and have it be that, having a little bit of bragging rights Mm -hmm. to go along with it, regardless of what it does. And then to be that person that shares it with their friends. So if you can get them on board with your product and service, obviously you're going to have great success because they're your advocates. And here's the kind of the distinction I'd make that uh, we talk about on Launch Street On Demand. Is you want to build tribes, not customers. Right. And when you think about your, when you think about the people who buy your product and service as your tribe, that's where you create community. You create advocates. You create people who are then going from village to village mm-hmm. and sharing it. Versus a customer, which is a one-way transaction of you buy my product and service. Hopefully, you give me a little feedback, but basically, you buy my product mm-hmm. and service. That shift in mindset for us, in particular, made a huge difference because when we thought about that. It actually adjusted how we went to market with some of our ideas, Mm -hmm. not just in terms of building a community, but how we communicate, how we accept that communication back. Um, And I think that having a tribe is a way stronger, it's a way stronger value proposition.
0: Well, we talked about it before. It's that whole word of mouth thing you know if the company advertises and said we have the greatest widget in the world you're like yeah right well you of course you're going to say that but if yeah. total strangers i mean total strangers or more importantly your friends say oh my gosh it's the greatest widget in the world we're going to break our little necks going to buy that widget
1: That's so right. So there is this uh, company called Mm liquidweb.com. And I I host my my websites with them. And they do a bunch of other stuff in that area. But basically, website hosting, they do something brilliant, and they live up to it. They take the the, uh, chat communication between them and their customer service, or this type of communication that happens on Twitter sometimes for them. Mm -hmm. And they post that. All over, and the reason they do it is because I plug in. Here's my problem. They give me the solution as the next line, and then my final line is, "Oh my god, you guys are amazing! Like I can't even believe the customer service." But that's a stranger telling the world how amazing they are, versus Mm -hmm. them saying, "We have a hundred percent response rate, ninety eight percent uptime." Blah 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 blah. I'm like, "Yeah, I don't believe it." But now I'm watching the feeds because they've taken screenshots of it, and I'm going, "Whoa!" Oh, my God. That's me. Right. Bob in St. Louis thinks it's great. Mm -hmm. And I'm going, what? That's, you know, I have to work with this company. And they live up to it. So I've used them and I've had issues, as we all do with web hosting. And they've always solved it on the dot. But they use that for social proof. It's it's brilliant.
0: Right. Well, I want to go back in time just a bit, not a real long time. You started as an entrepreneur when you were 14 years old. And I love this story. Tell us about that story because you learned... And and I'm, I'm guessing this really kind of set the foundation for who you've become today from that first experience as an entrepreneur.
1: Yeah, so I'm glad you asked about that. This is, it's funny, I do a lot of keynoting on innovation and entrepreneurship and uh, this is one of people's favorite stories. So I'm glad, I'm happy to share it here. So when I was 14 um, and, you know, uh, just to date myself a little bit, it was the 80s and I loved fashion. And, you know, I worked every day and every dollar I had went into buying the latest clothes. So, you know, of course I had a closet full. I mean, I had, Deb, I had the teenage girl's dream closet. Mm-hmm. It was so good. I had 300 scrunchies because it was the 80s. Of course. I had um, my favorite, actually, I still have it, was this off the shoulder, you know, pastel blue flash dance style sweatshirt. Do you remember those? Uh, yeah no, I was a maniac on the floor for sure. Mm -hmm. So, so basically all my friends want to come over and borrow my clothing as girls do. I mean, it's kind of a thing for us, right? Mm -hmm. And one day I'm sitting there and I'm watching my friends pull apart my closet and get all excited about the latest fashions. And I realize, Hey, I could make money doing this this stuff. Yeah. Like I could hawk it here. Uh So, I created a, ra- a rate card. It was, you know, something like a dollar for shirts and, you know, fifty cents for scrunchies and uh, jellies were a dollar a day. Do you remember those hideous oh, yeah. shoes? Oh
0: yeah.
1: Yeah, but do you know where I made the bulk of my money? <laughs> Late fees. Uh... <laughs> Of course, of course, of course. I made so much money that summer renting out my clothes, but you know that when I look back at that experience of turning my, you know, what was happening as an, as just a teenager and renting out my clothing, what I learned was looking back is, you know, I turned an everyday moment into a business opportunity, which is really what most innovation is all about is seeing what's right in front of you. And, you know, I think I learned three really important things from that. One is opportunities everywhere. Right. It's usually right in front of you. Mm-hmm. Two is, and this goes to everything that we've just been talking about. You don't know until you try. And I think the third, and maybe most important thing I learned is that shoulder pads will never make these hips look small.
0: No, mm, yeah,
1: no, no. But you know, I, 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 that really did set the foundation for how I, I think view life and work and and what is expected. Which is, hey, opportunity is everywhere. Just you gotta go for it. You gotta open your eyes and see it. And you got to go for it. And innovation is the tool that allows you to get there thinking differently. At that time, nobody else was renting out their clothes. The Internet didn't exist as we know it today. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it wasn't the same time. And I did it completely different. There's always an opportunity to create that differentiated value.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. And it worked for a time. You know, then you went on to do something else. And, and that comes back to what we were saying is, you know, everything has kind of a life cycle. And you know, when when that life cycle is done, you can kind of stretch it out probably a little bit more, but everything ends.
1: That's right, everything ends, and that's why you have to keep looking to innovate and move forward and find the new ways, and not rest on your success, as we were talking about in the beginning.
0: Right, you know, and, and it's funny. I interviewed a, another guest about um, an innovative product that he came up with. He loves concerts and you know, and and and, and sporting events, and. It, he, you know, hated it when he would go to buy a product, you know, sweatshirt, T-shirt, whatever, or hot dog beer, you know, whatever, because he'd always miss something. You know, and how many times have we done it? You go and you miss the title, oh, yeah. you miss your favorite song, yada, yada, yada. And so he has written an app and is currently in the process of working with stadiums where from your seat you will order. And, you know, so you don't do anything, you know, and, and he said, you know, obviously it's kind of a logistics nightmare because they have to have more staff and, you know, all sorts of things. Um, but it, yeah, I was like, wow, you know, th- so then the only thing would be, you know, okay, now I have to go to the bathroom and stand in line for a half hour. But, you know, at the same point, you know, how many times have we gone and we've missed something, you know, because we were standing in line, we were doing whatever and, and he saw a need and he decided to fill it. And I think that's probably one of the best things that we need to think about with innovation is what is that need and can we fill it?
1: That's exactly right. And I think as we look at the things that are happening in our world, there's even more opportunity. So we want to look at what, what is, what are the trends? Like what's, what's rising to the top? So, you know, food trucks, for example, are everywhere now. So now someone created an app that helps you locate the food trucks in your area. So you're like, I'm looking for chicken today, or Mm -hmm. I'm looking for tacos. You can find where those food trucks are by some type of GPS app. Mm -hmm. I don't know how it works, but I'm assuming that's it. But there is opportunity to look at what's, again, right in front of you and figure out the business that goes with that.
0: Right, You know, and, and a lot of this is based on the fact that inherently a lot of us are lazy. Um, I <laughs> heard a story not long ago about Uber Eats. Now, I have not tried Uber Eats, but McDonald's is on Uber Eats and they added a thousand more locations that do Uber Eats. Brilliant. And, uh, yeah. And I'm like, you know, McDonald's for us is five minutes away, but would I order it and have it delivered at home? Maybe. You
1: know, I mean, and, so I didn't have to get in my car again today. And, yeah. And,
0: and, you know, and, and, and put on, you know, clothes now, granted, you know, if I'm going through the drive through, I don't have to get as, as dressed up. I can, you know, leave my flip-flops on. I never, it's not like I go naked. Um, but, you know, <laughs> <Surprise>! uh, <laughs> yeah, And uh, but, but yeah, it's like, okay, how easy can we make things? And, and that really is a lot of the innovation that is taking place is how easy can we make it for people to do what it is that they want to do.
1: That's right. And I would encourage those entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs out there to, to as step one is say, Hey, what is happening? What, what's going, what are the shifts in the marketplace Mm -hmm. that I need to think about? And don't automatically judge on if it relates to you or not. Worry about that in stage two. Stage one is let's figure out what's going on out there Then let's apply it to our world. And it's so powerful when you go, I think, wide and then bring it back to the center. Mm -hmm. To our conversation earlier, we spend so much time in the center, we miss all of the stuff that's happening out there.
0: Right. You know, all those fringe ideas are the ones that are so successful. You know, and, and some of them really are just absolutely stupid. Who the heck thought that a pet rock would make millions of dollars?
1: Well, right now, the big rage with the kids is spinners. Have you seen this spinners? Uh Same thing. My kids cannot get enough of them. They're Mm -hmm. 8 and 12. And I'm looking at like, why didn't I think of that? Darn it. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and and so again, it's looking at what the opportunities are that are out there.
1: That's absolutely right. And, you know, I love that you said fringes. We have this whole exercise around play on the fringes on our on-demand because I 100% believe in you go out, you go to the edges, you see what's happening there, and then you apply it back to what's going on in your world.
0: Well, Tamara, we could go on for hours. I'm I mean, are we sure out of time already? We what? Are. We are, isn't that just horrible? <gasps> but all that means is we have to have you on again, so we will make sure that that happens. Love but it. In the meantime, tell people how they find your information and connect with you online.
1: Yeah, so if they go to go to launchstreet.com, so g o t o launchstreet.com where everything is there, at launchstreet is our handle over social media. And what I would um, invite people to do is actually take we didn't have time to talk about it but take our innovation quotient edge assessment it tells you your unique innovator archetype because as we've been talking about everybody's capable of being innovative and we all need to do it what it allows you to do is play to your strengths uh-huh. leverage what you're good at and bring that to the table which is where you create your own differentiated value cool. so go to launchstreet.com.
0: and and what was that again that we all need to go do
1: um, the Innovation Quotient Edge Assessment. It's cool. called the IQA. Yep, it's I on it. the site.
0: I love it. I love it. Well, like I said, Tamara, we will definitely have you on again because clearly this is something that <laughs> I was enjoying talking about because time just really flew. And so hopefully our listeners were getting a lot out of this also. And and so we will definitely have you on again. That would
1: be wonderful. We didn't get to talk about the ER trap. We have so know, much. There's so I know. much.
0: Yeah, know, well, like yep. I said, we could go on for several more hours. I know. Yeah. So <laughs> so I have been having a great time talking with Tamara Kleinberg of Launch Street. She is at go to launchstreet.com. I am Deb Creer, and to everyone out there, have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.